Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody, it's Valentine's Day here uh, across uh, yeah. the world in uh, West Point, Mississippi. We're happy to have everybody here. Home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo, the Gamekeeper Studio. Richie, uh, I keep, my headphones aren't working. We got my, what is going on here? Uh, I, I can't hear anything, Rich. We can hear you, so maybe maybe, well, maybe, maybe that's maybe on purpose. So. I, I think they weren't plugged in. No, I still can't hear anything, but... Look, I think we've got some Army World War II <laughs> surplus equipment here at the table, and Richie uh, is trying to run it, but maybe maybe we can get through I hope day. we're not being spied on or something. Ooh, <laughs> Dudley, don't make me put my tinfoil hat on already this morning. So let me well, – you can, you can – let me set the table. This is – we've been we, – we love this guest. We've got Dr. Marcus Lashley. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me. I love coming on the show and talking to all of you. We gotta, yeah, we gotta work on his. Uh, he's he's working on being a Marvel Comics character, Doctor Disturbance. <laughs> I like so it. So they're gonna have a, you know, he's gonna be in there with the Flash and you know Spider Man and all flame those on his chest. Yep. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there he goes. I so heard they were working yeah. on something like that. That's exciting. <laughs> Richie, what what happened to the horns? Now we've got the Jaws theme. What is? I, I thought it was. I thought it went along with Doctor Disturbance. That, yeah, that was the yeah, score that and, they're picking yeah, out was, for Doctor yeah. Disturbance and, and movie. It's, yeah, uh, and it's Florida, the University of Florida. <laughs> I get it now. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought what, they were the Gators, not the Sharks. Yeah, yeah, but their band plays that. So, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Let, let me kind of set the table here. So, I'm looking at Dudley. Dudley, are you okay? You're, I'm, you're I'm restful. Great. Yeah, I'm great. Yep. Next to Dudley is Lanny, who's got his laptop up, checking Facebook. And yeah, you know, I'm always on that social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Toxie is at the other end, and I feel like you look like you've had. A, you're highly caffeinated. You're ready to go. Mm, yeah, you you got that. Pretty caffeinated. I could be more caffeinated. You got that look that. about you. We've lost Mac because we've lost a couple of microphones. So it, it's like uh, one day we're just going to be down to one mic. And we'll make one, it work. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it work. Go, uh, That's go how kick, we started. Yeah, go kick and, the wall real hard. And, and then our, uh, you know, we've got Rob, who is our mustachioed friend <laughs> over there with his big red mustache, and Richie, who is over here pushing buttons and wires and. Yeah, like chairman of the boards. Oh, that's not a good one. But today, guys, we have Marcus Lashley, and he hails from kind of a part of the world we love. Very so much. Yeah, that's a part of the world. Let me think. You know, I heard that that band playing of some kind of song a minute ago, but it seems to me there's a different uh, like fight song for your alma mater. 
your your undergraduate school. Mm-hmm. Is that is that not correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Marcus, you look like Paul Bunyan in there with your flannel shirt on and your, <laughs> and your beard, your big thick beard, and and well, what is all that around you on the wall? Well, you know, it got cold outside. It's eighty-eight degrees today, so I had to wear <laughs> little heavier garments. And uh, yeah, I found this stuff in the trash, so it looked like it it would uh, be warm in here. Egg, trying to, egg crate. It's a good look. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in a shooting house crates right now, for guys. Years. Can we get your podcast producer to hook up with our podcast producer and work on our audio somehow? Yeah, I'll, I'll send y'all some of our gear uh, to help y'all out. I'm actually in the shooting house too. So there you go. Oh my god, oh. Now that's, that's, that's that's real. That's, that's rubbing real. it in. That's, that's not awesome. Fair. Well, guys, it yeah. is Valentine's Day. It is. Yeah. So, so uh, I, hey. I just want to point out, y'all. Shout out to all the ladies of Mossy Oak. That's right. Get your honeydew yeah. list done because turkey season is coming. All the rest. Well, she just had a birthday, didn't she? She did yeah. on the second. Yep. So happy belated birthday. That's right. Yep. And uh, so while I'm thinking about that, so today one of the one of the uh, this show is brought to you by, and I'm also, Landy, you're looking at me like, who is this show who, brought who to you by? Who is this show brought so, to you so by? So we've got some friends that we helped get into the uh, uh, clothing business, and they've got a brand. Toxie, if you paid attention to little Evie the other day when she killed her deer, she was wearing some bow and arrow outdoors kids clothing. How about that? So I just want to give them a shout out. They oh, see yeah. it close for, for Evie, yep. and it's a brand new uh, brand, mm-hmm. bow and arrow outdoors, and they're outfitting clothes for kids. Mark, Great. Really, Mark, really cool. Mark's my granddaughter, six, killed her first buck in, oh. in, in and around Sumter County near Livingston. Sure did. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. Super proud of her. It that was, was cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah. She was, it was really cool. <laughs> really, really yeah, cool. I uh, got, got a uh, opening day hunt lined up for my six year old daughter for turkeys nice. this year. So oh, wow. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that will go good. Has she been with you before until listen? And watch and observe. She, um, she has with deer a few times, and uh, she loves that. So I, I hadn't uh, gotten her oh, wow. where she had a turkey gobble in her face yet. Oh, I can. She sees a lot of footage from it where oh. we're trapping turkeys and right. that sort of thing, and she's all over that. So I think she's going to like it. Oh wow, <laughs> that's oh, yeah. great! That's Can't exciting. wait to hear a story, man. There's nothing like it with the youngins. There's no I know. doubt about it. Yeah, Lanny, did you yeah. know that there was a Super Bowl last week? Oh, is football still yeah. season still here? I, was I thought curious. it was time to burn. Can, can you name <laughs> one team that was in the Super Bowl? Uh, I actually, I actually, believe it or not, paid attention to this year's Super Bowl. They had a lot of Mississippi people in it, yeah, so I can mm-hmm. actually tell you both teams. I think so. Oh, can, right. Kansas cool. City and the Eagles from. Philadelphia? Is that it? Oh yeah, that's a first. Kansas City who? He's come a long way, Bobby, because uh, the Kansas 20, City, uh, 20 years ago, I was wanting to see if he wanted tickets to the state game. Yeah. And I go, you know, maybe we'll go, I'll see, you know, and I was talking about like such and such player. We got a really good quarterback, and he was like, is that offense or defense? <laughs> so, yeah. he, you know, he's come, a long, come a long way. You have come a long I way. I have come a long way. Marcus, yeah. do you have tunnel vision? Are you so focused on habitat, turkeys, fire, and all that, that you don't pay attention to other things going on around you? Uh, that's, I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready for turkeys gobbling right now, that's so right. I'm not yep. thinking about much else. Yeah, so right. you're, I assume you're burning and you're probably putting out traps. 
Yeah, we've, we've been uh, doing a little bit of that, and I've been focused more about uh, starting up a turkey research project. So we've been uh, trying to get them under a different kind of trap, the actual turkey instead. So uh, we've been tagging turkeys for the past two weeks pretty hardcore. Nice. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us about yeah, that? That's a good, good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there hasn't been that much work done, at least published work on Osceola's in a couple of decades. And uh, we've got some good information from various sources that indicates that they're they're probably doing pretty decent. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to basically launch this project and try to get an idea of what the uh, vital rates like survival and and uh, nesting success and, and uh, poult rearing success and all those things to get a baseline uh, on the populations in various areas of their range. But then we're going to use that as a launching board to do some some uh, some more science on them that I think will be pretty broadly impactful, I hope. Mm-hmm. Are you going to uh, be able to take like uh, blood and tissue samples at all from that? Yep. Yeah, we wow. are. We're yeah. That's it. That's yeah, going to be, I'll be interested in that. Just can't wait to see it when you get it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, so far everything's been going really well. We've, we've, uh, successfully caught quite a few birds and, you know, it's the, the launch of the project and we're going to try to keep building on it and expanding to more sites and, and all those sorts of things, but really excited about the work, you know, cause I think it's, it's something that's needed, particularly on that subspecies. We just haven't worked on it as much as other ones. You know, most of the the places where the uh, where, where you guys are talking about doing this research down in South, in Central and South Florida, there are so mm-hmm. many wild pigs. Do you see yeah. them having a, an impact on the Osceola and the the nests and the hatchings? Well, I definitely hear and see the concern, and uh, that um, one of the sites that we are on is slightly covered up with pigs. Hmm. So I think we'll get. At some of that with this work, uh, you know, if you talk to to Mike Chamberlain, Brett Collier, uh, lo- across a lot of their studies, they uh, don't seem to think that they've had a big effect on, you know, those study areas. Uh, hear them say that uh, on the air sometimes. I haven't personally seen it either, but uh, I think it's worth looking for it yes. to see, you know, is it a problem? But one of our sites, they're, they're all over it. so. If it's a problem, it will be there. Well, I, you know, the the few times I've, I've been to down there chasing Osceola's a handful of times, and there it seems like there's more pigs down there. I mean, we've got a lot of pigs here, but they've got mm-hmm. a lot of pigs down Ooh, there. That, may, that makes yeah. me warm. Yeah, that and makes we me shiver <laughs> in, in in this part of the country though. They're so concentrated on the drainages, and they're not nearly mm-hmm. out in the open prairie because we're in the Black Belt Prairie through mm-hmm. here. But down there, they're kind of everywhere. Is that fair to say, almost? Because it's just kind of yeah, habitat for them everywhere, you know? Yeah, and they, they've also been there since the 1500s. Right. So yep. uh, they've been there a long time, had had a chance to establish shop, you know. Uh, but there there are definitely some places where there aren't that many or they aren't there at all in Florida. And uh, particularly if you get into some parts of, the, of deep southern Florida, uh, there's fairly low populations in some areas. So, uh, yeah, they're they're kind of spotty. An- another big aspect of that research that I, I'm really interested in, I think uh, everybody will be, is 
right now we can't tag hens on all the sites, but we have several areas that are paired where we have a hunted population directly adjacent to an unhunted population. Hmm. And uh, we're really interested in comparing a lot of the, you know, the uh, things going on in those populations between those two scenarios. So I think it's, you know, that's important work that we need to, you know, to uh, to look at. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I know Mike talks a lot about uh, it jumped up in his face, the, how much more even than he thought hunting pressure affected stuff, mm-hmm. even to the point, especially, the, you know, the, the goblin and the turkeys, but to the point of maybe even the nesting success stuff. So it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to know, you know, maybe a lot of hunters don't want to hear that. But right. they they need to hear it. You know, they can make their own decision. Yeah, yeah. But just being a little more conscious of how you go about hunting and how much hunting, you know, because hunting, you know, you could, you could kill turkeys on your place mm-hmm. and not do as much harm as, like, the pressure, the type of pressure you put on them, not killing many at all. You know, right. so that's just, I think it's for me, I'd love, instead of having my own little theories, I love listening to research that has addressed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Butler's really big on you know, collecting mm-hmm. data about that too. Gosh, yeah, yeah, there's it's a, taught there's me a lot. You, where do you find an unpressured piece of property these yeah, days? That's right. It's hard. Not <laughs> around here. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think what they're saying is maybe you should be a little more thoughtful about how you go about the hunting yeah. and stuff yeah. too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, there's a lot of research ongoing right now and, and we're a little bit behind on, on our project compared to some of these other ones. But there's a lot of work going on just trying to figure out what does that relationship look like? Is it something that we should be concerned about? And what do we do about it? Because all of us, you know, all the researchers are hunters, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. We all want access to the resource and we all want it to be sustainable. Thank so you. we just we're trying to make sure, you know, that we check all those boxes. We want to, you know, have a turkey hunting around for generations. You know, I certainly want to to be out there with my grandkids doing it too. So absolutely. That's right. So Marcus, you kind of grew up in a Turkey rich environment and, and it, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. You, you probably grew up in one of the areas where the turkeys are as tough to kill as anywhere that turkeys <laughs> live. That's and why so, I didn't kill many. <laughs> so, well, we're uh, just going to say that you, you, you kind of cut your teeth on some bad turkeys, but when you moved to Florida <laughs> smart, and had access to those, uh, but yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you that. But, um, did, w- were there some myths about the Osceola that, uh, that you kind of had in your mind? And when you got down there, you were like, well, this isn't like I thought at all. It's Cause I, I, I think there are some things about them that are a little, you know, there's some wives tales that, that necessarily aren't true. Yeah, I, I think there's plenty of that, and I, I definitely uh, think I'm going to develop more intimate knowledge of them through this whole process with these research projects. I will say uh, the times that I have gotten out on them, uh, they have still been elusive to me. <laughs> uh, I did have a one one misfire event where I got one close enough and then i've had several close encounters and they gave me the slip and i have not actually killed one yet i can't what and (laughs) we're we're taking turkey hunting advice from this guy uh, it's habitat management (laughs) management. that's exactly right well where i was going i I believe the last time he was in the studio he had a little you know Fresh meat yeah, on I had shoulder. one over my yeah. shoulder. Yeah, I had yeah, one he, over the yep. shoulder. So I mean, he did. Not huh? many have walked in here like that. So, yeah, 
No, that's well, I didn't say that. I'd never killed a turkey. It's yeah. just that, uh, you know, the, the access is really hard, yes. uh, yeah. to, you know, to get on birds here. Uh, and then on top of that, I, you know, I've been pretty busy since I've been down here trying yeah. to catch them and, and do all that. So I haven't been able to spend the time that I'd like to trying to, but. Well, you're uh, a hardworking biologist that you're out there trying you know, to figure Yeah, you can tell you love it because when he walked in there that day, he had that glow. We didn't even, oh, yeah. didn't even know what he did, but he walked in and there was this aura. Well, we knew he had killed yeah, a turkey yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Dan word had to say it. The word that's thrown around so much about turkeys, but I think it has a lot to do. I'm see what Marcus says. I always yield to him. It, it, that makes them different. is isn't just mm-hmm. that their Osceolas or, or um, you know, uh, Miriams or whatever. It's like, where they live, the habitat, where they inhabit makes hunting them a lot different than yeah. one to the other. Yeah. I would, for sure, the obviously the Osceola is most similar to the Eastern. And it's most mm-hmm. similar in the kind of habitat for the most part, too. But mm. I think that, you know, we use the word habitat a lot, and sometimes we just got to glaze over and say it. it. It has so many important meanings. I think it differentiates yeah. the, the four main species as much as – the bird itself, you know? Yeah, sure. The well, landscape, yeah, what other predators are chasing after mm-hmm. them. It, yeah. it varies from area to area. Well, going back in time, uh, 15 years ago, I'd always heard that the Osceolas didn't gobble as much as they used Oh, that's but, not true. But when, when I got true. down there, I found that to be just the What, uh, what I found, and he he could back me up or not, is they'll gobble. They're, they're more kind of weird about it. It's like you don't hear one, you don't hear one, you call, he doesn't answer you. You call, he doesn't answer you. And then all of a sudden, he might gobble like 10 times in a minute. Mm. And then, you know, they're, they, it's like, boom. And then he might not, you know, maybe that's because they're moving and they don't gobble. But I've just noticed they, they hit spurts of it more than just gobbling constantly mm. like ours might. Mm. Is, that, is that true? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. That's certainly been my experience when I have been out. Uh, but I've also had a, I've had a few mornings, including the one where I had a, the, the mishap, uh, that they just gobbled their face off all day. Wow. Mm. That's fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about so, this mishap. What do you think you did? What did you learn from it? Can we help? So if you'll explain it to us, we'll critique you, Marcus. Oh, yeah. Whatever, of Bobby. course, Bobby will. Like you're, on, you're, like you're to guide like, somebody out of missing yeah, turkeys. Well, well, kidding well, me. So yeah. I, I, what I'm saying, I've missed so you. many. He's I can help I you with this, Marcus. I didn't actually, I didn't miss. It, it's the only time this has ever happened to me. Uh, I, I was on the way to a turkey, and I guess I pumped the the shotgun while I was in the woods in the dark. And when I had the turkey in front of me, I pulled the trigger, and it did not go off. Click, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then I realized there was a toothpick sized stick that got wedged wow. between the chamber, and it was right over the pin. And uh, oh the gun did not go off. And mm. when it was standing in front of me, of course, it was strutting right there, you know, and I'm trying to cl- – I was thinking that I didn't have it closed. And uh, I could not get it to close, and then I just had to let him strut away from me. Mm. And when he went over the hill, uh, I realized there was this little twig stuck in the chamber there. And uh, then I cleaned that out, and I never got a chance again <laughs> after that. <laughs> Toxie, I don't know if you remember it, but one time you and I were on the dummy line, and you had killed a turkey right off the roost, like and when we, his feet hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and 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 bless your heart, you shoot left handed, and he came up on uh, the wrong side there for you. It was uh, it, anyway. But we, do you remember we left and got up, set up on some other turkeys, mm-hmm. and I did, forgot to load my gun. 
You did. And in they, fact, <laughs> that turkey was in that. It was in the SMZ to the south of the dummy line. And Wait, let's not get that. Specific. Yeah, I'm just making sure my memory's right. <laughs> yeah, and this yeah. turkey comes up like ten steps. Yeah, because it's close. pretty thick. He's close, and you were behind me about twenty yards. What is going on? Bobby? And then, so mm. I ended up killing turkey. I, I forgot to load my gun, and it went click. And so, and he just mm. stood there looking at me, and I, ma- I was shooting a pump, and I managed to shuck it and get another shell in and killed him. But when I got back to Tyson, he said, That's, you've got the loudest safety I've ever heard. And I said, that, that wasn't the safety. I, that was the gun going click. Yeah. But Marcus, well, I've forgotten I've forgotten to push the safety off, and I mean, I've I had oh plenty of gosh. mishaps. Yeah. I've been through the ringer of, of all of them, but – Turkeys uh, out of any animal will make, everybody, yeah. make oh, you do something gosh, stupid. Yeah. Yeah, they really will. Oh, I've done plenty of them, and it's embarrassing. So I appreciate y'all uh, having me tell it to on the air to everybody. <laughs> I, I don't, we don't have enough time for me to tell all my mishaps. Oh my so. gosh! <laughs> and yeah, a lot I'm of them s- have to do with no no shell in the gun. So uh, yeah, I'm still is. sick about that one. <laughs> So Marcus, you forget about it. What's Mr. Fox saying? Hey, yeah, my dad say, "Don't yeah. worry about it, Marcus. You'll forget about it in yeah. fifteen or twenty years." Fifteen or twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Mark, before we leave the Osceola and just kind of move into talking General Turkey and and some burnings, we got mm-hmm. burning. We've got some questions. So it's so fascinating how dark the bars are on their wings, and mm-hmm. some are a little darker than others. And it looks like the tail feathers are a little darker. They're not quite as heavy. And maybe they have a little bit better spurs. Is there any other things about them that kind of uh, that are a little different than the other species? Yeah. Uh, so now that I've been handling a bunch of them, there's a couple of things that I have noticed that you know I don't know how consistent it is, but it's been consistent on the birds that we're handling. Uh, one of those things is the iridescence is is a blue. You know, they're, they're just, you know, the, the color of the feathers is striking to me. So I always thought of thought that, you know, they'd be real drab and, you know, the barring is broken and, and those traits. But when I had them in hand, I, I just really, really appreciated how beautiful the, the colors were in the feathers. You know, I just didn't expect that. Uh, and the lines on the bars, you know, on those feathers are so clean. I mean, it looks like they're painted. It's just, you know, they're immaculate. Uh, so that's one thing that I really noticed. Uh, another thing that I thought has been pretty interesting is we've we've handled uh, quite a few hens, and I think we're running on close to ten percent of them have spurs. Hmm. Wow! Whoa! Little that's bu- pretty significant. That's new. <laughs> like, like like sharp spurs or kind of Jake spur? No, there. It looks like a young Jake spur. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's uh, probably quarter inch, eighth inch type mm-hmm. on most of them, but a lot of them have them. And I, I just, I, at first, I thought it was just the one site we were on, and maybe there's something weird at that site. But now it's happened on both sites, and uh, I don't know what to think about it. To be honest with you, uh, I was kind of surprised at that. I guess. Did, like, did be- any of y'all know that? I, I know. I know. Well, I've never heard of ten percent. I've never That's held. A yeah, I've never held a hen to know. So yeah. I did yeah, get a picture, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the other day, I had uh, back to yesterday. I saw a picture from Sumter County. It was the thirteen hens, and actually, it was a little bit of video. And for sure, uh, three of them had beards out of thirteen, hmm. which wow. is a pretty high number, you know. But yeah. they're, you know, 
There's a very common occurrence that I mean, I see bearded hens every single spring. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. real common. Is there a percentage yeah. to those? Is it about 10% or I don't so, know. Marcus? He, he would know I don't, I don't think it's quite that high. I think it's, you know, it, it's pretty, pretty common, but it shouldn't be. I don't think it's 10%, but I don't remember the numbers on it. Hmm. But I've never heard anybody talk about spurs on hens at never. all. Never. Not a time. Much yeah. less. Nope. Seem yeah, like so they would if there's ten percent of them with them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's down well, there. I don't too. know if that's yeah. That may be yeah. in his area. Yeah. It could be yeah. genetic yeah. to his area. Be geographic. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like the you know I killed a turkey in Sumter County that didn't have any spurs. I've had that. Happen I've had that happen too. Yep. In yeah, Sumter that, County. That, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's apparently pretty rare in general, but yeah. in Sumter County, I know several people that have brought that up to me that yeah. they had killed one without spurs, and I did that once. I'm enjoying this conversation because, you know, Marcus is like a plant specialist and disturbance specialist, and and we're all (laughs) theorizing about, you know, turkey biology and physiology, which I think that's great. We're just kind of having a roundtable discussion. Well, I'm I'm actually trying to get to a point with you, Marcus. I wanted to ask, we hear not a lot of talk, but there's a little chatter out there that there might not be really any difference in the the Osceolas and the Easterns. And I I was just kind of wanting to kind of get your opinion on that. Well, I I think that they definitely share some different morphological characteristics, and that's been demonstrated, and that's a product of the environment. Where the other part of that comes, you know, that comes to a head is there was a a big uh, research project, and I think it was published in the early 2000s, where they collected genetic samples from turkeys all over the range and the other subspecies all separated from each other, but the Easterns and Osceolas genetically did not. And that's where the, the uh, turmoil comes in is trying to decide where do you draw the line? And, you know, there's enough gene flow going between the two subspecies that kind of muddies the water up, Right, but they're, they are definitely distinct in terms of the way that the birds look and different characteristics. I mean, we've, you know, we have enough data to show that they do have morphometrical differences, uh, but that's where the, you know, the, the uh, turmoil came from is, is uh, that genetic work. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it just occurred when you said that, that as things have evolved, even just this century with the expansion and the success and the, Spreading mm-hmm. turkeys, most most all eastern turkeys in the whole country, their origins are from the southeast, right? Because that's the only mm-hmm. place we had them to start trapping. But yeah. if you look at turkeys today, ours here came from over on the Mississippi River north of Greenville. That is one of the places there were still turkeys mm-hmm. when they were almost extinct, mm-hmm. just like the famous spot in southwest Alabama. And yeah. I would, one of my observation is our turkeys here – remind me much, much more of an Osceola than they do a Missouri oh, or an yeah. Illinois mm-hmm. or an Iowa turkey. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they, they, those turkeys are actually very different looking, and they're not even as kind of long-legged, and mm-hmm. they get so big. And I know part of that, just like the big deer is, they evolve because of, you know, there's more to eat and, they you know, the survival of the fittest in a hard winter. And yeah, all there's a weird too. word for that. Yeah, but it, it just seems like, you know, all that's just evolved because of the again the habitat and the geography. Because mm-hmm. ours here are much more like an Osceola than they are a Missouri. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your little observation about the iridescence is interesting to me because you know the 
that's like a humid environment. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the further you go west it's and north, it's almost like they take on a more dull, like the more arid yeah. the environment, mm-hmm. they almost have a dusty appearance to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, ours are yeah. famous for the yeah. bronze mm-hmm. look. Yeah, along with some birds. Yeah, and you know that's more more of the birds that I've handled have been really bronze like that. And then when I was, I mean, the first hand that I was handling, I was just blown away. I'll, I'll send you all some pictures of it. The blue is so brilliant and bright wow. in the in her feathers. I just could not believe it. Makes you think how they, you know, how, how they perceive it in their eyes, you know, when she's out there, what she looks like. Yeah. It just, well, it's um, just, yeah, it's been really interesting because I haven't spent that much time around the Osceola's, you know, until this project launched. And, uh, I, I definitely have grown to really appreciate them very quickly. Mm-hmm. It just cool. reminds me Amazing the bird. first time I laid my hands on one as a kid, even and it was actually one daddy shot, not me, but, um, I was completely blown away, mesmerized, sucked into a black hole about the beauty of the turkey. I had no idea. And I think anybody, yeah. you know, most people on this podcast already know that. But man, whoever has not seen one in person, touched one or whatever, the, they are so much more beautiful. I mean, yeah. than you can mm-hmm. imagine. Then you yeah. can imagine. Looking at pictures and things yeah. like that, it's just it's crazy. You I mean, it's. I get so like uh, I'm gonna say emotional, but it's almost a spiritual thing when you kill one and the sunshine on it. I almost don't want to leave. I just yeah. want to sit there mm-hmm. and pet it and look at it. It's and like looking at a fire. It is. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. so. It's the most. Be- you know, I've always said God's artwork trumps anything Michelangelo or anybody human ever did, and that's mm-hmm. just always to me. You know, yeah. I was born for that. I guess it's the most beautiful artwork on the planet just about to me as I, and people don't realize that that have never been around them. Yeah. 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 Well, no, that's what it, even I described it. It looks like their feathers are painted. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're looking at them close, uh, it looks like somebody painted it. So, uh, one other thing guys that, that I think y'all will appreciate and the audience probably will, we started characterizing the turkeys by their behavior. Because the individual variation, I mean, we have some that, you know, they just seem to be happy about everything and they just sit around and they don't care what's going on. And then you have some that are like that boss hand kind of deal where they're really angry and aggressive the whole time and trying to get away. And then you have this variation in between. And I just, I've had a, you know, a, a lot of fun thinking about the implications for that stuff. And you all know the boss hen and, you know, you know what I'm talking about yeah. from the hunting perspective, but then having them in hand and watching that them separate out in behavior has been really interesting to me. So we, we've started uh, characterizing their behavior so that we can, you know, then look at radio tag data and nesting data and everything as it relates to their behavior. So hmm. you could almost assign a personality type yeah. to each yeah, individual. Yeah, that's what we that's what we started doing. Yeah. That's it. That's uh, so fascinating. And yeah, that, that, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but you know, if you could have like clutches in, in captivity and raise them and see what their personality, personality types are like, is it common when you have a clutch of 10 or 20% of them going to try to be the boss and, you know, is mm-hmm. it, or does that change when only a one or two of them make it, you know? Right. Yeah, it's it, to been, think about. Yeah, it's been really interesting 
and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just fascinated with it when we're sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking through all that stuff and the implications and, you know, you hear uh, Mike and Brett talk about some of their work where some hands just were really good at it. Then I'm now I'm wondering, was that the ones that have a particular personality or, yeah, you know, there's lots of, of interesting things that you could glean from that. But I just thought, you know, from a behavioral standpoint, people would appreciate that because you experience it when you're out there, you know, chasing turkeys around, they're all individuals and, and do their own thing. But now we're collecting some data to show that really clearly. That's yeah. really cool. And then you probably got some, you know, if they're like Dudley, they may have multiple personalities. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that probably does exist. It, it's yeah. funny. I, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, but having chickens uh, kind of helped me notice those characteristics Mm -hmm. uh some of them were better moms than others Uh, i mean by Mm -hmm. far some of them were just plain dumb and there's no way they'd make it (laughs) you know like bobby (laughs) here we go here we go (laughs) yeah touche right away right away dudley so marcus uh these old school cattle ranches that are down there in central part Mm -hmm. of florida that look like they're so important to the the habitat of the wild turkey and, and probably this wildlife corridor that I keep yeah. hearing about and everything. Are those guys historically into burning and disturbance? Have they bought into what you're preaching down there? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of them have, uh, you know, before I was talking about it, a lot of them were already implementing fire and grazing together on the landscape. And I think a lot of those places look really good for turkeys. And, uh, you know, that some of those kinds of, of uh landscapes we'll say part of the corridor and part of those lands are probably why some of our data that's been collected in the state indicate they may be doing better than than another you know other subspecies we're not i don't think we have enough data from the research to to know one way or another yet but uh you know i i think you're you're right on to something i think it, at least in the spine of florida uh, you know, there's a lot of intact turkey habitat and there's a lot of burning going on, a lot yeah. of grazing in it, and it's keeping the landscape in a, a shape that can produce a lot of turkeys. And that's really, you know, what I, I want to make more turkeys rather than take away opportunity. And if we can get at, you know, uh, get at solving issues by increasing productivity, I think that is what most people would you know get behind so. absolutely uh, that 100%. brings a great thought to mind because i'm always talking about we gotta as a hunting community we gotta adapt our harvest and whatever we do mm-hmm. to the population and yeah. i know you know that might not be popular saying okay you know just don't kill a limit or do whatever but mm-hmm. you've got the best goal of all and that's what i would really love to see is that we have such a healthy population that we can have more turkey hunters mm-hmm. and have access to more and more people yeah, yeah. and to lo- get to love and understand what we do and mm-hmm. but have it in a way that continues to grow and prosper for the resource and not set them back yeah but you know i just keep saying but if it if we're doing something that is setting them back we got to cut it out we have to pull yeah. together but I love right. what he's saying is his goal would be to be so successful in the way we adapt to how successful they are in hatching and creating mm-hmm. more, that we create more and more opportunities. Because yeah. that's what the turkey world is upset about today is that yeah. has gone backwards in the yeah. last, whatever, Marcus, 10 or 15 years. 
yeah. and we're understanding that. It, the good news is, in some areas, and I don't know why or what, we've had a, a good, a pretty good turnaround here in the last mm-hmm. year or so. so yeah, I, I think so. It, the uh, data from multiple places indicate near record hatches last year. That's incredible. And, you know, state level, and Mississippi's one of those. Yep. Uh, yeah. What do you so? You know, there's the the other thing I wanted to add to that. We we've talked to to uh, Craig Harper. I know you guys have had him on, and and Adam Butler, and and uh, several of these folks. And then there have been a few studies recently that have come out. One of them was uh, Brad Cohen and Mike Chamberlain, and then one was from from Harper's project, and then one from South Carolina. And all three of them were consistent that we had single digits of the landscape, which was considered high quality nesting and brooding. Like if you put those two together, we're still single digit percentage of the landscape in those studies. Wow. And you know, that to me is a real red flag that we probably have some problems with productivity that need to be addressed. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, it may reduce opportunity if you don't address the productivity. You know, it's actually where I grew up in uh, South Montgomery. But used, to be, it, used to be as good as in the entire country. And you would, you know, where there were large peanut fields, large agricultural mm-hmm. fields. If you drive through that area now, you see a lot of pine trees. Mm-hmm. A lot of those fields were taken out of production and put into pine trees. That's got to have a big effect on on, on, well, on possibly, but possibly not. I mean, that's, that's peanuts are kind of a food source, but I mean, Marcus could speak to that better than mm-hmm. me, but. I wouldn't say that would necessarily knock it back. I mean, because the peanut field itself is not nesting habitat whatsoever. It's just yeah. a big open or, area, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily provide very good brooding either. But at least um, I think one big difference is that it is at least a high sunlight environment. Yes. And when you have lots of sunlight, you start to have odds and ends places that, that uh, you know, are still usable and in a landscape where you don't have any sunlight, even in odd places, uh, that's where I start to get concerned about, you know, nesting and brooding in particular. Yeah, and so um, it just leads to me, my, my dominant train of thought these days is that, you know, you take the work of Dr. Chamberlain or, you know, Marcus and our, our and the best of the best, they are right there with the best of the best. And, um, help people understand more and more this is kind of the the whole gamekeeper way is like mm-hmm. let's take let's take control of our own destiny let's don't just stand back and That's complain right. about everything let's learn from the people who really know and it's not necessarily us although we get access to a lot of information and we can help but people like Marcus and Dr. Chamberlain mm-hmm. and let's you know whether you've got again I just like a broken record 4 acres 400 4000 doesn't matter Practice those things on yours. The yeah. only mm-hmm. way we'll ever make a big difference is everybody pulling together that has effect on land. And I mean, to the point where maybe we need to lobby or pressure some of the big timber holding companies to change things too, because they have a lot of limitations sometimes that won't let you mm-hmm. do the right thing. But yeah, my point is it has to happen every acre at a time. It's not say, yeah. some broad stroke of talking about it. Right. And so mm-hmm. the more there's a gamekeeper you know, that's our brand. Sure. We can educate people, but then enable them to take those things. A lot of it doesn't even take much money at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's just, I want to keep saying is that don't sit around and complain, 
it's okay to bring things to bear that need to be made, but let's do something about it. Take so, action. Yeah, mm-hmm. find a place and take it. And the, and, the, and the other thing I'd have to say, Marcus, is that don't like expect miracle overnight. But what we have seen on the places that I have effect on is like doing the right thing that I felt like doing the right thing, doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden, after a while, it's, it's kind of like growing trees, Dudley. It's like you don't you don't see it overnight, but after years and years of doing stuff, all of a sudden, wow, what what does this place look like now? Mm-hmm. It takes time, and you will see the results over time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and perform those tasks, yeah. like you said, at the yeah. scale that you have access to. Well, it's like deer hunting. Yeah. You just like all you do is like put some attractant on the ground to shoot deer over all the time. Nothing's ever going to get better. But if you continually are doing things to improve your place and are mindful of it, then in a couple of years you start seeing better deer and more deer Mm -hmm. and stuff like that too. The same way, make the working on the habitat and doing whatever it's trapping and everything else that Marcus will tell us to do or Mike or whoever, you know, and make that as much fun as and important to you as going and shooting stuff. And the next thing you know, you're enjoying getting out there 52 weeks out of the year doing stuff and your hunting gets better. Mm-hmm. Boom. And that's, you know, that's the way that, that life of abundance is what we're trying to help people get to with their wildlife. Yeah. When you, you really start to intrinsically <clears throat> value all that, you know, the, like being a part of the land and a part of the production of the, of turkeys and, you know, then harvesting that turkey becomes such a, such more special. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, just being a part of that whole process. The other thing I wanted to add, I recently had a really good conversation with Adam Butler about this from data that he has from Mississippi. And, uh, you know, some, he has some private lands where there's groups of landowners. They have pretty good, you know, pretty large impact together. Uh, Those types of properties where they're really putting a lot of time into the habitat work on those lands they're sustaining a much higher harvest rate yep. than than you're seeing on average across the state mm-hmm. and you know he articulated that really well i don't have the data in front of me but it it was substantially different yes he's so you know, good. like like three four five times the is amount the amount of birds being harvested sustainably comparatively we can do and, so- you know, it's just a testament of how important the productivity is for dictating opportunity oh 100 right so, right you know I, it, I, forever the kids would say dad what's the best state to go uh kansas missouri yeah. texas <clears throat> where's the best place to go i said <clears throat> so it doesn't matter how heralded and historic and unbelievable you know turkey place is if it could be the ugliest, scrubby, scrubbiest thing in the world, if you hatch a bunch of turkeys, you're going to have great turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. And if you cease to have good hatches, it's going to stink. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple, you know. It really is. Um, so I, you know, I, that that's exciting to know. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the thing I was going to say a minute ago when you were talking, it jumped in my mind, is that we we have less of an excuse to misuse the resource today because it's so easy to take kind of an inventory with your cameras. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that years ago. And so I'm seeing pictures, you know, last year of all of a sudden jumped up on the screen like you hadn't had in years, Jake's, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing a few more long beers this year. I'm going, you know, I'd like to see more than this, but uh, there's a few Jake's. <laughs> and so, you know, you would know, by that, okay, just kind of make a plan. We've got this hunting club. It's, 
you know, 800 acres or 2,000 acres or whatever. And, you know, we, we think we can kill four longbeards or we can kill two longbeards. And like Mike says, don't think – he was laughing about the guy that sent in a – said, we've got like 10 jakes on the place. We've got like six longbeards. So it's okay for us to just kill them all, right? And he was like, no, you're missing the <laughs> yeah. point, you know. Yeah. So in the old mm-hmm. days, you, you, it was just kind of visual. What, what, and yeah, what, and I what mean, you yeah, heard. He would just go, look, let's just face it. We go hunting and we just go kill turkeys. Yeah. That's what I did. But mm-hmm. now you can at least go, if you want to, I mean, what's it worth to kill an extra turkey or two this year if you're really doing your place harm for the long run? So now we can do so much better. Right now, what, how to judge that? I mean, I would use someone much better like Marcus or Mike or somebody. To say, okay, if you have this much, I've just always heard if you had a really big, big hack, big hatch of jakes, you could fairly liberally harvest longbeards. Hmm. But what is the all. right ratio? I've heard, you know, who knows? You know, yeah. What do you think, Marcus? I mean, is it well, if you've the, got four longbeards, you should take one, or you know, like Toxie said, yeah, I, was trying, I was trying to get all but one before. But yeah, got to kind of <laughs> stop all that, you know. Yeah, I mean? Well, there, there's kind of a rule of thumb out there, and I, I, to be honest with you, we need better data on this uh, to to really iron this out. But the rule of thumb, and and it comes from some literature and modeling from years ago, is about thirty percent. Thirty percent. Staying if you're staying under thirty percent, you're probably in good shape. Of gobblers and, or mature uh, gobblers. Uh, yeah, of the of the gobblers, okay. yeah, long beards. So yeah, okay. Then the the biggest effect of that would be if you know you had a great hatch and you're seeing a ton of jakes. So and sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes care of itself because I've experienced like last year we had some jakes, and it made it harder. You know, it made mm-hmm, it harder. Mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. They they were running everything off. You know, I had two or three <laughs> times I just yeah. covered up in jakes. Yeah, there's yeah. some of the, the, that personality coming yeah. out right yep. there. They were mm-hmm. aggressive. Um, so Thirty percent. I had the, I had those That's, mess me up two or three times this past that, season on Osceola's. But I don't I don't mind. I never mind it. I never mind yep. jakes messing up a hunt. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Marcus, before we go any further, I need to point out to Lanny. I know that, what we're That's to talk only about. harvesting 30%. That's right. not leaving 30% land. Uh, I understand this. Okay. Just make yeah. sure. You, I thought you were going to start that talking about that time code. About. Uh, Rich, you wake up over there if you would, please. <laughs> Lanny, you, yeah, but you, if we uh, triple the productivity, then yes, you have yeah, three, absolutely. You could, 30% is a lot more birds in. That's right. So realistically, I mean, to be safe, it's one out of five. You hear that, Bobby? Don't you? Yeah. No, look, I can. Uh, what, whatever needs to be done. Oh, look at him! Right. He's crawfishing. <laughs> He's crawfishing. <laughs> well, no, you, you kind of have to, Mark. So, yeah. Marcus, I'm. Look, when we travel around and meet people. I I've yet to run into somebody that isn't willing to adjust their behavior. Absolutely. Sure. I mean it's mm-hmm. the occasional guy on social media that's like, I got plenty of turkeys. Why should I not? Right. So occasionally I see that on social media, but not face to face. What mm-hmm. are you experiencing the same thing? Yeah, I'd say I, I think uh social media for you know the it has a lot of uh great aspects about it from for everything, but that definitely amplifies some of the negativity. I think mm-hmm. that's that's oh, pretty sure. clear. Oh gosh. And and uh yeah, in general, most people that I come in contact with, they they want to they want answers and they want to know, okay, what do I need to do? And that's what I'm gonna do. And right. and uh, you know, for the particularly the the turkey enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys get stuff done. Like I'd you know, I'd I'd 
go and meet with people or whatever. And then next time I meet with them, they got it done. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. That's right. So, Marcus, so, are you, uh, obviously you're burning right now, getting ready to burn. Are you trapping as well? Uh, I haven't been, no. Uh, so that that's mainly, you know, it's not a, because I dislike trapping or anything. I just don't have anywhere that I have access to close to do that. We just so, recently did a trapping yeah. podcast a few weeks ago, and it. I went and got some. My wife gave me some traps for Christmas. How about mm-hmm. that? How sweet is that, Marcus? That's and a good I, wife so I right caught there. my. Did you first, buy her some for Valentine's Day? That's yeah, what I need to. But yeah. I actually caught my first raccoon and a possum this yeah. past week. And I think we we got a banker friend here in town that's yeah. just gone. It's like Milton Drysdale has turned into Paul Bunyan. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to. Yeah, our buddy Tim O'Brien. He since you know. The, the trapping podcast, he's the same. He went and saw the guys at Duke's, uh, and he has been trapping on his place. And he's been sending me pictures of what he's been catching, but he mm-hmm. sent me pictures of some coons, a bunch of nest predators, mm-hmm. and then guess what the last picture he sent me was? What? A flock of 15 turkeys sitting that? in the same Boy, spot. <laughs> I mean, if that, if that isn't proof in the pudding, I don't know what is. So shout out to Tim for – Roll, mm-hmm. Taking those penny loafers off and putting on those knee boots and getting out there and trapping. <laughs> Dudley, I know you yeah. got a question for me. Well, uh, we were earlier we were talking about the big bounce rate, I guess you could say, with the pole hatch this year mm-hmm. in a in a mm-hmm. lot of areas. Um, have you heard uh, what, what are folks theorizing about that? I, I know in like the tree world, whenever there's a, a stressful period, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of trees will often produce a lot more seed like you see that a lot with Mm -hmm. pine trees Mm -hmm. after a drought or something they end up throwing a whole bunch of seed uh, Mm -hmm. to compensate do you think that this bounce in this pole hatch there is a chance that uh, it could just be uh, stress just like coyotes will will breed a lot more Mm -hmm. due to being trapped heavily or do y'all, you know, are folks theorizing that that may have something to do with with better habitat where folk, you know, folks are tuning in and doing more habitat work? Weather. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. a great question. I, I think there are a few biological mechanisms that could kick in, and and I don't have very good data on any of them to speak to this particular instance. But and when you see a hatch like this, where it seems to be pretty broad scale. That indicates to me that it's probably environmental. Yes. Uh, so, and one thing that happens when you get rainfall at the right time or, or don't get rainfall at the right time, you can really ramp up productivity for yes. species like turkeys. And, uh, you know, just having more rain, you end up with more forbs through the mm-hmm. summer. And uh, we know that that promotes uh, the kind of, of structure that they need to be successful in brooding, but it also promotes a lot of food you know, particularly insects. So, you know, that's one potential uh, thing. Another thing uh, that we do see in some species is like what you just described. If, uh, you know, if they fail to to do well, they kind of build up, uh, you know, energy reserves and, and they're in higher or better condition. And that could play into reproductive success when conditions are right. And, uh, you know, some of the species like turkeys are kind of cyclic where they, you know, they have this boom bust cycle in productivity, even in a population that's doing excellent. You still see ups and downs from year to year. And, uh, you know, that that's one 
way that that kind of cyclicity can happen is because they, you know, in the bad year, they, they're in better condition as a result of not going through that, that hardship. And then, you know, they take advantage of the good year. I think uh, I, I recently had a discussion with Brett Collier about that uh, with his work on Rio's where they, you know, they have this really distinct pattern and rainfall and, you know, success mm-hmm. in the birds. And that was kind of what he alluded to is that, you know, they, they might even abandon trying to reproduce in the poor drought years. Yep. And then, uh, you know, everybody goes all out. He's, I think he said something along the lines of poults literally just come out of the cracks in the grounds and everything. They That's just cool. show up everywhere. Yep. And, uh, you know, that there's that pattern and resource availability there, but there's also seems to be some biological feedback of the, you know, the, the hens in that case, and their, their, uh, their overall health and, and energy reserves and everything, they can really take advantage of it when it's good. Mm-hmm. So if you take that and apply it in a habitat context, if you, you know, if you have really high quality habitat and you make things good, they can really take advantage of that really yes. quickly. Yeah, because I'm listening to you, and I also think a small factor at least is the fact that in these years, I mean, it's woken up so many people in the turkey world mm. as we have less and less numbers and people are having less success hunting and all that stuff too. So to the point where, you know, when you're, you start to lose something, you appreciate it a lot more, and we've had all, you know, this outcry about what's going on, and people have feverishly worked harder at Mm -hmm. establishing habitat or managing for that and you know a lot of trapping and a lot of stuff i just feel like when you have the only explanation could possibly be for a broad scale higher success rate is weather you know Mm -hmm. it was just about have to be yeah but what i was getting at on top of that the people have larger areas just like uh uh, adam's area he was talking about several Mm -hmm. thousand acres working collectively they have you can just put an exponent in front of mm-hmm. the number of success they have, and so I think that raises the bar for everybody. Because when yeah. a particular landowner or group does a lot of work and has an explosive hatch, they're gonna bleed off to all the other landowners mm-hmm. around them some too. Sure, and I just feel like you know what we're doing as a collective in being so conscious of habitat and predator management stuff mm-hmm. helped raise it to even a higher level than it would have been, you know, and mm-hmm. especially probably the States that more people are doing that had more success. There's no question. Yeah. It makes a difference. I've watched it on our own places relative mm-hmm. to others. And uh, there's so many, it's so complicated what happens, but mm-hmm. over time it's definitely paid off. Just to add to that one, one thing that a lot of people, it doesn't intuitively just jump out at most people in my experience, but the habitat is providing you a buffer to when it's bad. Yes, exactly. And it is providing you leverage when it's good. So, you know, when you said the exponent, like, you know, it's one thing for it to everything to be bad at a larger scale and you not to be as bad as everybody else because you have good habitat. But the other thing is when it habitat is good and the and the environmental uh you know the environment is good, then it you know things get great and you you know the, that's when you have these really huge hatch yep. years is because you know you have to have that habitat in it, so it's not as bad you're hedging you know on that when things are bad, but then 
uh, when things are good, you have opportunity for them to exploit it. So I've got your so, I've got your buzzword. You just said it actually. So the the whole habitat conversation is the turkey hedge fund. Because that's exactly <laughs> when you describe it, that's exactly what it's doing. When the market yeah, goes yeah. down, you don't go down nearly as much. But when it takes off, it's like explosive for you. Yeah. And so either way, you're going to be safer. And so you 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 know you said the word hedge mm-hmm. a couple of times too. But when you first said, I said that's a great way to use the buzzword <laughs> for that is like create your yep. own turkey hedge fund. Hmm. The turkey hedge fund. I like it. Yep. There By the go. dips. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so y'all mentioned weather. Actually, you specifically mentioned no weather. No question about weather being but the top thing. Are, are y'all hearing that we're going to have an early spring? Oh, who knows? M- yeah. Marcus, are you hearing that? Well, I've heard it. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I thought the groundhog said it was going to well, be. Well, I'll say this. We had that cold snap, and there, it's, it's we're obviously having warmer winters than ever, but I would just – this is the first year – maybe 10 or 15 years of having a lot of cameras out, you know, I have yet to see a picture of a turkey strutting, and it's the uh, February 14th. We used to see them start mm-hmm. to strutting in late January in places, especially mm-hmm. further south than here. So I don't know if that's just an anecdotal thing with me. I've heard people say they heard a few goblin already. Well, that's normal, actually, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. south. But I have not seen – I've got a few pictures of gobblers, and just you almost always at least see something. Already doing yeah. some strutting. I have not seen the first one yet. So, honestly, I would rather not have such early springs myself, especially in my love for Alabama. And they've moved the season back 10 days. It goes on over into May. I'd love to have a later season for a change myself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and uh, just anecdotally, sitting in the blind several times in, in southern Florida, I was expecting to see some – some uh shredding and and hear gobbling i heard a couple of gobbles one morning but you know this was early february like last week and i was expecting to see a little more uh indication that they're kind of firing up and i, I wasn't seeing that either and we, we saw a bunch of groups of of gobblers together you know it was big groups of gobblers so it seems like you know, they haven't really gotten ramped up yet, or at least as of last week. Yeah, I saw a crude uh, poll on social media the other day where people were asking the same thing. Are they mm-hmm. are they still doing their winter thing or are they doing more spring stuff? And yeah. <clears throat> so do you think one, one, way more people one other there. theory, because this is not anything we can affect, but it just <laughs> seems like all the years, you know, like I've got 50 years of like anecdotal data in my yeah. head, but in watching what happened, it's like I can't remember when we had dreary rainy cloudy like february's and early marches we just didn't have as good a goblin and stuff that year we'd see like turkeys never gobble they'd be you know dominant birds gobbling but you see three or four in a group and they never even strutted much or, you know it was just like weird and then when you had a lot of bright sunshine it seemed and so i just theorized which is probably crazy because mm-hmm. i know the the amount of daylight triggers the hormone right Marcus? Mm-hmm. and i'm just yeah. wondering if we have really cloudy weather maybe they're in quite the hormone level as if we have a lot of bright sunshine. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be really interesting. You know, the, the, uh, we have, uh, the, the, uh, sound boxes all over the landscape and, and I know, uh, yeah. Chamberlain and Collier have them and, and, uh, I got to get me one of those. <laughs> got them all over the place. We have so many of those things on the landscape. Now we ought to be able to figure that kind of stuff out. So you know what you just said, yeah. like we're, 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 we're tuning in at, on huge landscapes to all the gobbling. 
Yeah. So we ought to be able to figure some of that stuff out really well. So yeah. the thing that's been jumping in everybody's head, Dudley and Bobby, we all talked about it for the last 10 years, like, and it was kind of almost unspoken fear things like what's happening. I don't want to wake up someday and the same thing that happened to our quail. It says, that's what's right. happening? I don't know. Talk to biologists. What, what's happening to our quail? I don't know. And that's kind of stirred a lot of this stuff today. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be fascinating to know because it could be as simple as what's happened in the environment in the last, we've had more and more of those really cloudy springs, drizzly, dreary, early mm-hmm. times. And so less hormones and less goblin, one is good at hunting and also might be leading to less pulse, you know, and less mm-hmm. eggs being fertilized. I don't know. It's a possibility. Yeah, I, I, you said something earlier, you know, I, I appreciate and want to restate it. It's so complex. Yes. Like we've got, we've got lots of hypotheses and trying to isolate that hypothesis is really difficult, especially when there likely are many of them operating simultaneously. So we probably have lots of problems that are going on. Yes. And it, you know, we're trying to figure out what is the relative impact of each one rather than which is the one. And I think that's what most people want to know. Well, what's the problem? And it's like, well, uh, it might even be better to say what isn't the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like when it's something broad, this like really got mm-hmm. me kind of got my attention more is when you say something happened from a broad scale basis. So, you know, in an individual area, there's so many things could be happening there, so different than the next state. Mm-hmm. But when it happened in a big, broad area, it almost begs it had to be environmental. Yeah. I mean, I can't, it could, well, you know, I don't know that, but it just seemed that it'd right. have to be. So what is that? And, and unfortunately, it was probably nothing we can do about, uh, you know, the cloudiness or whatever that is, mm-hmm. but at least we could understand what's going on. I don't know. Who yeah. Knows? And on the yeah. flip side, uh, if you have a bunch of cloudy days, your average person isn't going to be as enthusiastic. Correct. It's going to be windy. You're not going to be able to hear as far. You know, mm-hmm. we go on, yeah. the, on the bluebird sunny days every time and yeah. we listen really hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah. some of that could be going into play. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I remember last time I was in the, in the studio with you guys, I slept in that morning because it was storming That's and right. then still carried a turkey in there over my shoulder. That's right. right. Yeah, you did. Sure did. There you go. So, guys, Marcus, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't every day, aren't we getting about 60 or 90 more seconds of daylight? I mean, every day right now? 50 seconds. Yeah, 50, 45, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's an odd number like that. But, yeah, the day length is growing. So that's what's triggering this this hormone in the turkeys. Yeah, that's that's an important factor for sure. Photo Uh, period. Yeah, and that's what's period. triggering the, the a deer's antlers yeah. to drop. Now, and, the, it, yeah, mm-hmm. the does to come in heat and everything. So. Yeah, it's, man, nature yeah. is just – we but, say it all the time. It's fascinating. It's Bobby it's learned. Un- it's like unbelievable. With, you know, with, yeah. Like with the rut, I don't I don't want us to go too far down the path, but I did a big literature review on the rut one time re- recently because I was getting so many questions about it, and they were trying to figure out, well, how do we know definitively that photo period is initiating the rut? And I I got into this really awesome line of research that I was reading about where we had we have some studies where we've literally put animals into a room where we can control photo period and reverse it and manipulate wow. it and we can change those things. And then the coolest experiment, they they caught a whole bunch of deer and took them to the exact same latitude 
uh, on the other side of the equator, huh. and they reversed exactly six months and all their their processes, their hormones and everything. They they immediately changed, and they were able to show that it wasn't just the length of photo period for the population. It was actually how the photo period changed to hit that that period that you know that day length. So in other words, wow. that's why it wouldn't, you know, you have the same day length twice a year, essentially, where it's, you know, in one so case, so. it's getting shorter. In the other case, it's getting longer. Right. You'll hit that same median level there. And they were able to demonstrate with that experiment uh, that it was specifically shortening and hitting that threshold. And of course, the, wow. you know, what that threshold is varies depending on what population you're in, which is why you see differences in rut timing. Uh, you know, across the South or whatever, but right. uh, it was pretty remarkable to me when I started getting into that, some of the really clever experimental mm-hmm. work that shows definitively that that is what's happening. That's, a, like that's it, so it was, fascinating. It just yeah, tells it me nature <laughs> is always trying to adapt to what is best for survival. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Dudley talked about, you know, uh, in fact, he can even tell you about uh, sometimes to make like fruit trees really put off a lot of fruit, he goes and kind of damages them just a little bit not enough to hurt them but enough to scare them and you know and stuff like stress like that and so it's amazing all this stuff if you take it down there it'll adapt back to what's best for that particular environment i mean just the point about everything you do nature adapts Mm -hmm. and that is the governing philosophy of all research all everything we do hunting everything nature adapts Mm -hmm. it's amazing so guys marcus has got to go teach some Students here. He's been teaching these students. Yeah, that's so, right. But before before <laughs> time runs class. out, why don't we uh, let Dudley? Why don't we turn up? You know, and Dudley needs a little wind underneath his wings, guys. He's doing such a great job with these <laughs> questions. I, I just uh, Dudley has a bigger fan club than you, Bobby, and it's making you <laughs> no, jealous of him. I know no, what's the problem. Well, is. this morning he was a little worried. Am I doing a good job with these questions? And yes, Dudley, you're doing a good oh, job. Thank so. you, Bobby. So. Thank you, thank you. Mar- uh, he Marcus. Had, he had might want to because. He's he's getting more and more in your shadow these days, Dudley. Well, and he's expecting him to do it more and more often. So. Fasten your seatbelt there, uh, Marcus. All right, Marcus. Here they here they come. Can you hear me clearly? This, this is called I rapid fire, and it's brought to you by our friends at Springfield Springfield Armory. Okay, okay so pretty much all this is turkey related. Of course. Good. Um, and understand, good. you can say neither, both, or pass. And there's a little bit more detail here. No pressure. I'm, I'm, Wait, do I have to answer them, or I can pass this? You, you need to answer these. Oh, come on. Okay. Be nice, okay. On the way to the hunt, early in the morning, do you blare the jams or keep it quiet? Um, I'm a jam guy. Shotgun. ACDC. All right. Yeah. Thunderstruck. Here we go. Shotgun, 12-gauge or 20-gauge? I shoot a 12. Okay. Shotgun, camoed out or old school? Mine is hand painted. Okay, Ooh. That, that's kind of right there in the middle. Very cool. Hunting style: wait a little longer or go ahead and make a move. I'm making move. Mouth call or friction call? Mouth. Face mask. Do you have the habit of immediately removing it, or do you catch yourself wearing it to to walk to the next spot? I might even wear it to lunch. <laughs> like Mr. Fox. That's, That's awesome. what he does. Yeah. Snake boots. It, it's sitting Ab- over my beard. <laughs> Snake boots. Absolutely or nah? Nah, I don't. Open sights or need some help? Need a little help. 
Would you say you are gear light or gear heavy? Gear light. Lucky hat or rotate the hats? Lucky hat. And last but not least, M&M's, Trace Hermanos, or Diamond Gems? Ooh. <laughs> Diamond Gems. Oh, All right. Good job. <laughs> Getting close to home there. That was good, Dudley. That was excellent, that was, Dudley. That was good, Dudley. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. There's some information. All right. Marcus, you're always a lot of fun. Oh, we, we, we enjoy. Oh, yeah. You guys, uh, you and uh, Dr. Will Goolsby have a super popular new podcast. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you you giving me the opportunity. So Will and I got together, and, you know, we we're trying to figure out how to help turkeys. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great content out there in the podcast sphere and you guys are are part of that and we thought we could complement a lot of that great content by trying to give a really scientific heavy perspective on that so we launched a a podcast called wild turkey science and uh, it's been really popular so far we're getting a, a lot of great feedback we've already had a lot of the leading scientists that are doing the turkey work and across the you know, the range of turkeys. We've had Mike Chamberlain, Brett Collier as a upcoming episode. We've had Coulter Chitwood out in Oklahoma, uh, Dwayne Elmore, Craig Harper, you know, all the names that, that people know out there. And we've got many other scientists lined up. And the idea was that we could go through the science, whether it's been published years ago or uh, give people real time, as it were, near as we can get to that, updates on what's going on in their state. Uh, you know, get opinions from these different scientists on different hypotheses of what's happening to turkeys and how we how we fix it. Uh, so, trying to to basically give people access to the scientific conversation. Yeah, that awesome. sounds good. Yeah. Spread awesome. the word. No, you know, everybody it. has a good zillion theories on turkeys, and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love it, the theorize. Yeah, every, I've done it my whole of life. Course. I did it today a couple of times, but I'll do it in front of you. It's <laughs> like, tell me if I'm off on this. But um, what I was getting at, and what occurred in my mind when you're talking to, is like the one thing I love to to hear is something that either validates or negates my theory, and that's mm-hmm. the research and the truth. You know that old saying is mm-hmm. truest truism: the truth will set you free. And yep. the the science behind what's going on is the truth or yep. getting to the truth. And so I love right. knowing that either my theory was bunk or it's actually, you know, something to it. Yep. Yeah. Not not everybody likes to have theirs debunked. No, also. they don't. You're uh, right. I want to know but, the truth. That's all yeah. I care about. Well, I, I think, you know, that's what we're trying to do is get you as close to the truth as we can. Yes. And, and the truth of the matter is it's a really exciting time. Yeah. We've got turkey work going on in a whole bunch of places. Uh, some of those places haven't had turkey work going on in a long time, and that's that's important. So also, we're going to try to be a hub for that so that everybody has access to it, awesome. before, you know, so that it's not 20 years down the road before you know there was a turkey project in your state. Uh, and uh, and all the scientists have been really supportive, and, and uh, everybody we've asked to come on the show has come on, and you know, it, it's been a really interesting, enlightening time for me. I have read more about turkeys in the past six months than I ever had before and learned a ton from that. There's tons of great work out there. It's just not very accessible. So, you know, it's an exciting time for us to to do this kind of effort. And, uh, 
you know, I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it and I appreciate all the support that everybody has uh, put behind it because it's been, it's been really amazing. Well, good. We're glad to hear that. And yeah. uh, you guys are, 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 are sitting in a great position to uh, help spread a great message oh, absolutely. so we we appreciate that so much marcus we know you got to get on to class there's there's people <laughs> down there that have paid a lot of money to come hear you talk and will yeah. you let lanny and i know if you want us to go listen on one of your places we'll be glad to say tell what's going on there we can no yeah I'll, I'll send y'all a couple of pens yeah, yeah do that yeah. and uh, when He's you get up enough. here we'll let you buy a supper yeah. at diamond gym <laughs> just let me know when they go to your place yeah. hey send them pins yeah. of the middle of kinderbush down there yeah. south something let them, let them try that one out i did that before <laughs> okay all right marcus we we appreciate yeah, it anybody got anything us. else to say to marcus before we go? yeah no I, i'm surprised we didn't even talk about fire guys i know the whole time i don't i'm trying not to talk about fire i'm so depressed i'm glad that i did some burning in my christmas break down in sumter county yeah or i wouldn't yeah. have actually i wouldn't have lit a match yet it's been terrible yeah, poor David Holly is going to see a psychologist right now <laughs> because he has not been able to burn yet. He's yeah. the most obsessed person I've ever seen on it, and yeah. close to me. He's, so I'm just waiting for hopefully while we go to Nashville and celebrate 50 years with the National Wild Turkey Federation mm-hmm. that it'll dry up some yeah. when I get back. You know, yeah, let it loose. Well, yeah. I there hope you, so. There you go. Well, Marcus, thank you so much, yeah, and uh, we wish here. you the best. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, take Thanks, care, Marcus. So, guys, what uh, did did we learn anything? Oh yeah, you know every time. How I, can I you not something. listen to him and not learn? <laughs> Hens yeah. have spurs. Ten yeah. percent of them well, in the localized. Well, well I don't know. If, okay. I don't well, know if that's yeah, old truth. The biggest thing cool we learned phenomenon to talk was about. that. Um, we mean turkey hunting people, turkey people that care about turkeys care very deeply and i know everybody yeah. you know there's mule deer or pheasants or whatever white elk or white, white tails there's there's people that love them there's people love all of them you know but there's there's a core hardcore love that more than any other wildlife and so what i'm getting at is that people care so much that it is created because the the downturn we've had has created so much energy mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. us and educating people to do their own thing on their own land. You hear me preaching like you know, just like I had a pulpit or something all the time. Let's all get in this together. But that's you know what he's talking about is it spurred so much more research and so much mm-hmm. support of that research than we've ever had. And so yep. the real big picture of that is that we really really care and love our wild turkey wild so turkey much that we yeah. we're just about willing to do anything for its you know prosperity not only because yeah. we love to hunt because we even be beyond that we love the bird so much so yeah, just that's impressive. what i see and he's telling us about how much more is going on today and how much support he's even getting for what they're doing mm-hmm. and we're in a new age because of we care so much about our bird yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 fascinating and i feel like with all this that's going on that like somebody's putting batters in a flashlight and that flashlight's fixing to cut yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So my one little thing behind the pulpit I'd like to say, and Marcus would back me up, is like the one thing we need to be sure and do is let tough times pull us all together mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. have, you know, yeah, yeah, and pointing fingers and complaining too much. I mean, it's certainly, voice your opinion, great. But what I'm just saying is it should – for the betterment of turkeys, pull us all together. I see mm-hmm. mostly that happening, and uh, yeah. it's a it's a cool thing to see because I think maybe it's helping. We saw a better hatch this year, 
Yeah. You know, people mm-hmm. are really pulling together and, and you know, we're puts the great bird puts us on the same team, no matter what organization or who you are, you know, yeah, it does. competing yeah. companies with us or whoever, you know, you should be able to park it all and pull together for the bird. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah. That's good words. Yeah. I, all, I don't think we're we all got in anything this together. else to add to that. Lanny, mm-hmm. uh, you've, uh, what, what have you been doing the last hour, Lanny? I see you. I've been listening. I've been soaking it in. <laughs> you, I, I don't know how you <laughs> multitask down there. I, it's amazing to me, but you do a good job of it. Thank you, you, you for doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dudley, you got anything else to add? That, no, this, this one's kind of gone. Have you got to ask Dudley or do you want to just uh, call this off? I think we're good. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think we are too. Toxie, you look like you're about to get up and run. So, are we gonna make the announcement too? What announcement is that? We're one of the few people that are gonna give away. Oh yeah, you know that's a great. Bobby, well, we Bobby. probably lost all our listeners now. We had to rush this one. I had a trivia question for Marcus. Just I was gonna on. give him a chance to win this raccoon baculum, oh, sure <laughs> and, and I know he would have wanted no, to win that. Yeah. So I've been wondering. We'll we save are, that we are a G-rated <laughs> podcast. What? Yeah, that's right. Ba- baculum is very G-rated. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's scientific, I guess. So, but uh, yeah. So, so uh, speaking of living and loving. Wild turkeys. Yeah, Neil sat right there, Toxic, where you're sitting. And he agreed. He said, let's let the Gamekeeper podcast give away a fox vest. Oh, my God. Oh, my so, God. You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. So, I can't believe he did that. So we're trying to figure out next week on the podcast, we will announce how our listeners yeah. could, can uh, – so you're saying get a chance there's a sweet there's a sweet stakes yeah yeah, yeah. There, there will be we're put we got our people Rob is working furiously over there putting together this right contest. now okay yep so we will have that next wow. week wow everybody will one. have a chance a big to win one. a fox vest this is going to be so exciting yeah, it's cool awesome. it's the coolest thing I've seen in such a long time because and I said it video me the other day about it. it's just it's just like so overwhelming because it's just like. Me and my dad. I mean, we just we're hunting butts since yeah. our first memories, and no big deal. We just love to turkey hunt, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all this attention. I mean, what's well, the culmination? For him especially, of I mean, right. I've been in the limelight since we did all this, but him especially in these years, and it's just so much outpouring of love for him. Yeah, and he he really has no idea, a little bit, but not much. He really doesn't, <laughs> and it's just so amazing and humbling. But I will say to everybody. And I'm prejudiced, but I do not know anyone ever in my life, and I can say this about my dad if I don't get teared up, that deserves it more than him. He mm-hmm. is the purest soul mm-hmm. you've ever met in your life. And he loves turkey so much. And as feeble as he is right now, you know, we don't have know if he's ever going to get to go hunting again or not right now. It's I, mm. probably unlikely, but you never, maybe miracles happen. You want to get him fired up? Show me a picture of turkeys. Bring up where you heard turkeys. <laughs> yeah. Talk about turkey season coming yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It is so much a part of his life. So, wow. But thank everybody out there that has poured their love for what he stands for. Yeah. Because uh, it's unbelievable to our family. Yeah. Thank that's you. Cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some heavy. That's some really good stuff. No, that's it some good stuff. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have, we've gone on long enough. I'm looking at you. Why don't you say adios, Dudley? Adios, Dudley. Get us out of here, Richie. for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.